This is blasphemy. This is madness. Stop the insanity. You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. everybody been quite a long time since i've had the opportunity to talk with you but it hasn't ended what is the new golden era in philadelphia sports and i am so excited to be back on the airwaves to be able to talk with you to be able to argue with you to be able to disagree and agree but the fact is ladies and gentlemen philadelphia sports at all levels all four professional teams, Villanova basketball, there's something to talk about about all of them right now. On a national level, on a just inside the Delaware Valley, it is a lot of fun, and the madness will be bringing it to you. As always, I am Rob Lange, your Minister of Madness. Glad to have you all back after the hiatus after a Super Bowl win for the Philadelphia Eagles. It happened. It did actually happen. They're still the champions. I have the DVD to prove it. I've watched it and cried about three or four times already. So, I mean, it is it is real. And it kind of started a movement that has taken place in this city that is beautiful on every turn, every obstacle. It has just been a great month and a half. And we're going to talk about a lot of it here today. We are, we are back in business. We are looking to make Thursday nights our night. Uh, the podcast will be recorded in the afternoons, probably put up around 7.30 every Thursday night. We're going to have some great guests. We were hoping to get some this week. Couldn't make it work, but uh, have some guys in the pipeline that hopefully we get on here soon to just broaden this show. Uh, we, we've got a couple changes, I think. Uh, by now, if you follow us on Twitter, at TSJ Madness, you have seen that we're made it big time. We're, we're on a t-shirt now, man. And, and look, listen, I love seeing my face on a t-shirt. I don't know how you feel about it, but I know I love the idea of seeing my face on a t-shirt. It will brighten up everybody's spirits. Uh, as I've told some of my students, there would be no better way for you guys to go to sleep at night than seeing my face on a pillow. I don't care how the hell creepy that sounds. That's just the, the, the fact of the matter. So, yeah, man, it's, it's really, really, really good stuff. So uh, I want you guys to head over to the website. You can buy the T-shirts. You can support the show. Um, we, we have a new web address for the T-shirt that I'm, I'm trying to pick up right now so that I could give to you. All right. It is tpublic.com slash user slash TSJ Sports 101. I lost it. Because I'm an idiot, so give me a second to, to pull it back up here. 
But you can get T-shirts, mugs, phone cases. Uh, I believe there's a pillow, which I know would freak many people out, myself included. Uh, there are two different T-shirts. There's one with me showing you how mad of a person I am. There's also one of just the words, the madness. That's the one I bought because I think it's a little superficial and a little egotistical for me to buy a shirt with my own face on it and then wear it around. So I'm not going to do that. I bought that for my kids. They're going to know damn well who their father is. They already know I'm freaking crazy, so there's no difference there. So anyway, let me give you this web address again. It's uh, tpublic.com slash user slash tsjsports101. And there will be another one that I will get before the end of the show that I will give you a little bit easier to remember. So just bear with me. But head on over there. Purchase... Purchase the merchandise and, uh, you know, support the show. And we really appreciate that. And as always, love the banter on Twitter at TSJ Madness. Eventually, here in the next few weeks, we're hoping to bring this show back to you live so that we can get some call-ins and do it that way and really keep building this thing up. But, man, it's, it's, it is a great time to be able to do this. And I am super excited, as always, uh, to be able to talk about the teams that I love here in the city of Philadelphia. Looks, and we are coming out of a pretty pretty terrible time. I mean, two years ago, Sixers won 10 games. The Phillies were irrelevant as their aging stars were all getting shipped off. The Flyers were the Flyers uh, doing what they always do. And the Eagles were coming out of the Chip Kelly era and uh, looking at Doug Peterson as a savior, which we all said, yeah, right, like that's going to happen. But 2018, man, has uh, really, really spiced things up in this city. And I want to take some time today to just talk about each team and where I see them, you know, where the excitement lies within each team. And a lot of the excitement lies in the fact that on all four teams, you have young stars starting to bud. You have young stars to watch. Some teams are further along than others, obviously. The, the Eagles were a lot further along than the rest of the uh, city. But, uh, you know, so I want to talk about everybody because I think it's important that now that football is over, we show you that we know more than just football here, that I could talk to you about a couple sports. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I don't follow hockey religiously. But it needs to be talked about. And right now there are things to talk about in the city. So we're going to take time today. And to kind of reintroduce the madness to you, we are going to go through each team little by little, maybe more time spent on some teams than others, just because there's more going on, there's more happening. Uh, and frankly, you know, I've, I've focused on it a little bit more, uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't talk about everybody. So why don't we start right here? The late, great Harry Callis will bring us into our Phillies segment of this episode. Uh, we would like to, going forward, have a segment for each team when things are certainly going on. So let's talk about the Phillies. I, you know, going into this year, I wasn't overly excited. I, I knew that there were young talent guys. But Matt Klintak had, you know, had disappointed me in the sense that I felt like he was really dictating when these guys would play based off money and all that kind of stuff and not bringing them up a year too early because it was going to cost them more. And I still have an issue with that. I'm very curious what they do with guys like Scott Kingery this year. I think J.P. Crawford's up here just based off of them trading away 
Freddie Galvis. Uh, they're, they're going to need somebody at that position. But even without Kingery, you do now have J.P. Crawford. You have Reese. You have Mikel Franco. You have Nick Williams. You have Aaron Althair. I, I'm interested to see these guys, but it wasn't enough for me. I wasn't going to be Mr. Phillies all summer long. And frankly, I still probably won't be. There is something about the idea of this base, of the season of baseball that I can't just be all in for the whole season. And it's, it's 162 games, and yeah, that plays into it, but the games are so long. And I know the traditionalists are going to rip me for this, but it's friggin' boring, man. It is. It is. Like, if I'm sitting there watching TV on, on, on a weekend, on a Saturday, and there is a movie on that I want to watch, and the Phillies game is just starting, I'm going to watch the movie, and then I'm going to come back and watch the last four innings of the game because it won't be over yet. It, it, there's, I don't care that it's the, the nation's pastime and this is what it's supposed to be. Screw that. Come on, man. Like, I just can't. I cannot sit down and watch a nine-inning baseball game in the middle of June or early July. You know, playoffs are different. There's a lot more riding on every pitch. But when you have 162 games, there's not something riding on every pitch. And don't tell me that there is. That's BS. There's not something riding on every pitch. So with that said, though, I wanted to see what the young guys did. I was very intrigued by this Philly signing Carlos Santana to play first base, seeing as though that was Reese Hoskins' position. I'm a little, you know, nervous about them, you know, moving him to the outfield, but I don't think they would have made this move unless they really believe he's going to do it. I don't think this is going to be another one of those situations of forcing a guy into a position like what was it, Darren Ruff a couple years ago where you just knew it wasn't going to work. Uh, It seems like Reese is athletic enough and uh, a good enough ball player to make this move out to the outfield. So I'm interested to see how the outfield plays out because you got a lot of guys out there and you got a guy um, in in Aaron Altair. You have, as we said, Reese Hoskins. And the one player, you know, look, I, I said I don't pay that much attention to the Phillies. Um, I'm not, you know, in on their entire roster. But I don't really hate anybody on the team. There's not a guy... There, there aren't guys that I like. I'm like, no, there's no way I can deal with you. I can, you know watch you play except for one and I'm gonna be ripped for it because he's their best player according to people I friggin hate Odubel Herrera I hate everything about this guy I hate him now for him he should be thrilled that I hate him because when I tend to hate somebody and I voice my displeasure for them they tend to go on this run where they become an all-star all of a sudden so Adubel's probably gonna have a hell of a year because I've sat out here today and told you how much I hate him, but I can't stand them. I would rather watch Altair, Hoskins, Quinn, Williams over Herrera and not be as good. Because I have seen him too many times do the most stupid things I've ever seen on a baseball diamond. Like, you know, not making sure a ball wasn't caught before he starts to run or keeping on running without paying attention to the runner in front of him or jogging out a ball that he could have got a double or triple off of, instead he gets a single. Making stupid plays in the outfield. I can't stand baseball players like that. Like, who the hell does this guy think he is? You're a nobody. You are a nobody. You're a nobody. 
At this point in your career, you're a nobody. You were considered the best player on one of the most horrific Phillies teams we've seen over the last couple of years. So I don't want to hear this crap about, oh, no, 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 screw. I don't, I don't care. I don't like him. I don't like him. There's nothing about this guy that I like. Now, maybe he changes my mind, but sitting where I am today on March 22nd, hell no. I'd rather the young guys play. I want to see all the young guys out there playing. Not Odubel Herrera. I could care less. By the time this team is ready to win, and I mean legitimately win, contend for a World Series, I don't want him on the team. If you got guys like Williams and Quinn and Altair and Hoskins and Mickey Moniak and, and all these other young guys that you want to see come through the system, I could care less about a double Herrera. So, I mean, I just, I, I want to put that out there right now. I can't stand the frigging guy. However, I am intrigued by this team now, especially after the news that broke a week or two ago, something that had been rumored all offseason, and that was the signing of Jake Arrieta to the staff. Now, I know he's getting up there in age. I know he's 31 years old. I know there's there's fears of an, of injury with him. But what this team needed was a veteran arm who could be your one or two. And they got that in Jake Arrieta. Because in my opinion, going into the season, and I'm looking at their their pitchers right now. Now, Eikhoff's out with an injury. That's going to hurt. But you have, you know, you have Aaron Nola, who in my opinion will never be better. He will cap cap out at a low two, high three pitcher. You got Nick Pavetta, who has shown signs, but not enough. Uh, Velasquez, I don't know who the hell he is yet. You know, Adam Morgan, I mean, I'm just looking at the the arms. There's not Zach Eflin. There's not a lot of guys that made me feel all warm and tingly about going out there day in and day out and giving the Phillies the best chance to win. And because of that, I couldn't sit down and say that I was excited for the season because I expected pitching to lose them a lot of games. And maybe it still will. Now, I've talked to a lot of guys that I truly believe in when they talk to me about baseball have told me they've definitely improved the bullpen and the starting rotation is eh. But with Arietta, it goes from add to a okay to decent starting rotation. The fact that you could throw him out there every five days and the fact that Aaron Nola you could throw out there every five days, these are guys that are going to be expected to win every time they're on the field. Now, obviously they won't, but now you have two arms and, and one of them is more of a guarantee than the other. Because he's done it before. Arietta's won a Cy Young. He's won a World Series. Look at what the Eagles just did. They surrounded themselves with veterans who knew how to win. Now, what I will say is the Phillies' two big signings that Arietta and Carlos Santana are two guys that have come from organizations that have been winning the last few years. So they know what it takes. So that's huge to me. Huge. No doubt about it. But bringing in Arietta gives me the excitement that I needed to say, okay, I'm in on the Phillies this year. Am I in for 162 games, nine innings a game? Hell no. I don't think I ever will be. I don't think I was in 2008. Did I watch a lot more baseball than typically? Yes, I did, but I wasn't watching every single game. That's not who I am. And that doesn't make me a bad sports fan. I know people out there will say it does, but it doesn't. I'm not in on every baseball game. I don't watch the baseball playoffs if the Phillies aren't in it. It does not appeal to me. 
And I'm not going to apologize for that because certain people think that that makes you a bad sports fan and that I can't be a Phillies fan. Screw you. I don't care what the hell other people are going to tell me. So the Phillies are an interesting case with the young guys, with Arietta. I look at them as reminiscent and they remind me somewhat, not totally, of when Utley and Howard and Hamels and all these guys came up and they integrated them with a couple veterans and, and savvy moves. And, you know, in 06 or 07, what was it? It was 07, they win the NL East and get swept in the first round. And then 08, we know what happens. And then 09 and 2010 were, were great years. And then things started to, you know, slowly but surely go away. It's, it's so crazy to think it's been 10 years since that team won a World Series. Because I can remember that 2010 season, that 2011, where they win all those games. I actually can remember being a little nervous about that 2011 team because they won and wrapped everything up so early that, you know, you kind of were nervous that they wouldn't be able to ramp it back up and the bats fell asleep and never woke up. And that's what happened when they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals in the first round. But I see this team being a little bit like that team early on. Bunch of young guys. They still have to prove themselves. There's there's a lot of praise. You know, J.P. Crawford was great at towards the end of the year last year. We know what Kingery was. We know what Hoskins was. But I want to see these guys. And I don't want Klentak to give me some BS reason that because he, does, he, he doesn't want to have to pay the guy. Even though he won't say it, that's what it is. Him and McVale and all those guys. You, you got to play him. Scott Kingery needs to be up. Cesar Hernandez is a nice player. He's a nice player, but I don't want to see Cesar Hernandez. He's not going to be part of the, the new young core of this team. I don't need to see him every day. I want to see Kingry. You're going to see Reese. You're going to see JP. I'm interested about the catching situation. I mean, you know, I just don't know what, what you're going to do here from, from a catcher standpoint. Rupp, Nap. And Alfaro, my hope is that you're going to see mainly Alfaro. I know that Rupp is going to be up. He's going to be your veteran presence, your Chris Coast, your, you know, something like that. But I, I'm not counting on Cameron Rupp to be my everyday catcher. My hope is that it's Jorge Alfaro that he shows enough in spring training. And my hope is over the next couple of weeks to get some guys who've been down there with the team onto the show to let us know. What is going on with the Phillies? What do they look like down there? Are they ready to go? Are they ready to compete? They certainly think so. The money they paid Arietta tells me they're ready to compete right away for a playoff spot this year. And if things break well, maybe they should compete for a wild card spot. You know, I don't think they're ready to compete with the Nationals for the NL East, but, you know, you, 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 ha- you take a good step or two forward this year and then you go into the free agency with the Machados and the Harpers and those guys available next year, well, now you bring one of them, and now you're really starting to build something here. And it needs to happen that way. You know, baseball's a different sport. You know, where the NFL, you build through the draft, and, and you need to have a good farm system, but you need a couple of those big payday guys on your roster to win a World Series. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. Yes, you have to have a good farm system. But the Phillies have spent the last five, six years trying to build that good farm system. Now's the time to start putting the pieces in place to compete and hopefully be fighting for a World Series in the next three, four years. Because that's what it's all about. And maybe just winning a Super Bowl this year with the Eagles has, has changed my mind. I wasn't sure how I'd react. 
I wasn't sure if I'd come in and be like, well, we won one now, everything's easy. No, now I want to see every damn team go and win it. I want to see everybody. We got to see every team fighting for their league's championship. You know, Mikey Missett said 2020, and then the Eagles won in 2018. I want to see every team, all four, fighting for a championship by 2020 now. I want to see the Eagles continuing to possibly go back and build a dynasty. I want to see the Sixers competing for a championship. Flyers, Phillies, all of them. I want to see it all happening. The future is bright for the Phillies. Another thing that intrigues me is their new manager and Gabe Kapler. Initial reaction is not going to work, but I'm done feeling in those terms when it comes to managers and coaches. Because the two times that I have been so adamantly against a manager or coach are Charlie Manuel and Doug Peterson. Two of the dumbest things that I've ever done, as they are the only two to bring us championships since the 80s. So I'm done judging a book by its cover. I'm willing to give a chance. I'm willing to give two, three years. Will all the new stuff the Kapler's doing with the analytics and you know the, the sleeping and not setting an alarm clock, will all that work? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if that's the way it's going to work, if everything's going to go well because of that. But who the hell am I to say no to it right now? Let's see how it goes. The guy's passionate. The guy cares. Uh, I'm sure the players are going to love him. You know, he's a young guy. A lot of times players really relate to the younger guys who who know what the game is now. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But Phillies start, what is it, you know, in April? So they got – I don't even know when their first game is. See, that's how bad it is. Like, I just don't follow them close enough that I know when they start the season. Isn't it like the first week in April? Something along those lines. I'm going to pull up their, their uh, schedule and see if we can find this out to see how close we are. I don't want tickets, you know. Maybe some point I do want tickets, but not right now. I just want to take a look at the schedule that keeps not allowing me to click on it. Let's try this. Um, oh, good. They're giving me absolutely nothing. Much appreciated at this point. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Just loading up. So it looks like the Phillies will open up the season if it starts in April on April 2nd. But no, no, they're going to start. Oh, wow. He's the 22nd. Apparently they open up this se- the season uh, in a week from today. 4-10 in, in Atlanta. They got a three-game series in Atlanta. Then they go to the Mets for three. And then they have their home opener on a, a Thursday afternoon against the Miami Marlins. So there you go. So we're, we're right into this thing, man. We're a week away. So, you know, yeah, well, I tune in, absolutely. But I'm just not going to be 162 games, nine innings, fully in at all points. It's just not who I am. There's no reason to lie about that. So one week away, and we got the Phillies going. But right now, the winter season has been interesting <laughs> for both of our teams. But we're going to talk about the first one right now. That's right. Let's go Flyers. I can't get a read on this team. I don't think I'm ever going to get a read on the Philadelphia Flyers. You think they're dead? Then February comes and they practically win throughout the whole damn month of February. Then March comes and they start to just drop game after game after game. Then they win a big weekend last weekend with two wins. 
including beating the Capitals and beating them pretty good, if I remember correctly. Lost in a shootout the other night, but still got an ever-important point, even though apparently it was a very sluggish game that they played. They were able to come back late and, um, and, and get at least a point out of that. And now they, they, I know they play the Rangers again tonight. Look at them at 37, 25, and 12. Okay. Um, if you look. They, they were in third place in their, in their conference, but I think they've actually fallen back to a wild card um, place and at the moment. I'm trying to find that. So the Flyers are no longer in third place in the Metropolitan. They're, they hold the first wild card spot. They're three games up on New Jersey in the wild card. Uh, and they are what looks like um, – how the, how the hell does that even happen? How could the New Jersey – see, this is the, the, this is the problem with the NHL. The, the New Jersey Devils – Okay, I was looking at the wrong. All right, here we go. So the New Jersey Devils have the second wild card. They're up a point on the Flyers or on the Panthers. Flyers are up five points on the Panthers. So they they uh, with eight games left, they have a five point lead. But they've played three more games in the Panthers. Uh, but meanwhile, they're they're only a point out of third place, three points out of second place in the Metropolitan. Fact is, they have to keep winning. Fact is, back in February, we thought the playoffs were a guarantee. Now we just had to see where they end up. They even got to the top. They got up to first place in the Metropolitan at one point coming out of February. And then they just go on these losing streaks. I just don't understand this team. You've heard us say this before about Philadelphia teams, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, why the hell do we as fans keep showing up and acting like maybe this is it? They do the same damn thing every year. Nothing changes. It's the same thing every single year. It's a roller coaster ride. They have ups, downs, they have ups. And if by some chance they're having an up at the end of the season, they make a run in the playoffs. But if they're having a down, they may not make the playoffs or they squeak in and they lose in the first round. I mean, it's terrible. I, I just, it's annoying. Why do we, why, this is the one team, this is the one team in this city that we just consistently allow to screw with our emotions and never say anything. It's always a roller coaster, there's always goaltending issues. Yeah, I, I get it. There's injuries this year, but that's besides the point. Even without the injuries, there was a goaltending issue. These guys weren't like these incredible goalies. Neuver and Brian Elliott aren't incredible goalies. And now we're riding with Alex Lyon, Peter Mrazek. This Mrazek can't stop anything. I, I have trouble getting excited. Now, here's a situation where Hackstall's been in place a couple years. Hextall has been in place a couple years. And we're told that things are going to change, but nothing has changed. Are there some young guys with some absolute unbelievable potential? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the Gosh Despairs, the Proverovs, the Konechnies, 
Couturier is finally coming into his own with 30 goals this season. Claude Giroux's giving you a nice season with 26 goals. But at the end of the day, what are we looking for? Can this team compete for a cup? I know what hockey lends itself that it doesn't matter what you're seeded in the playoffs. You have an opportunity because there's unbelievable parity in the league, no doubt about it. But I, I don't look at this team and say, to, I, who, I don't get this Hackstall guy. There's never a change. Never a change. And it's like, how much time can you spend talking about him? Is it the same old story every damn time? Now, they play the Rangers tonight. Okay? Who is a rival? It's always a struggle. But this is a game you should win. You're back on home ice. The Rangers are not a good team this year. You have no business losing this game. And you need to win this one because your next game is Sunday at Pittsburgh. Now, yes, you play well at Pittsburgh. But damn it, it's not easy to beat that team. They have to start being more consistent. I'm tired of the nonsense. I'm tired of the roller coaster. In essence, is every season a roller coaster ride? Yes, but it, this follows the same pattern year in and year out. Different manage, management, different coach. I'm still pissed they got rid of LaViolette. Nothing has changed. Why? Nothing has changed. Meanwhile, he took another team to a Stanley Cup final. You fire a guy, you bring in a new young guy. Nothing has changed. I can't stand it. It drives me insane when it comes to hockey, this crap. Like, I sit here right now. They have eight games left. I couldn't tell you what the hell is going to happen. Should they make the playoffs? Yes. According to some statistics, CSN Philly threw out, or NBC Sports Philly threw out, uh, because they got the overtime loss the other night, they have a 90% chance of making the playoffs. But why are we consistently okay with the Flyers making it, losing the first round, that being it? I'm not anymore. They need to make a run this year. I don't care that they're young. I don't care that they had injuries. Those excuses don't matter anymore. And they could blame the other team in the city that just went and won a friggin' Super Bowl with injuries. But enough is enough. you got to start making runs and being there every year. The Penguins are doing it. The Penguins are there every damn year. Why can't you be? That's the question. Why can't you be? This has to stop. I mean, I don't even want to talk about stats. And, and, you know, the one guy I want to talk about is Drew. Now, he's done what he needs to do this year. But, you know, he was sold to us as Crosby Ovechkin level. He was. I mean, that's, that was the, the narrative behind this guy. He's not that. I mean, every year we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. The fact is he has 26 goals. That's nice. It's good. I'd be curious to see how many uh, Crosby has at this point. That's the other thing. 
I know Nolan Patrick's playing this year, and 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 he's and he's had a decent year, you know, for for a rookie. I mean, I don't know how much we expected out of him right off the bat, but why do I feel like we never see the same thing with the Phillies? We never see these guys that they draft until five, six years down the line. Oh, they got to develop. They got to develop. They got to develop. Why do they always have to friggin' develop? I'm done being patient with the Flyers. I'm done being one of these fans saying, oh, just give it time, give it time. Even at a time where I probably should do that because they are young. But, man, I just can't deal with this every single year. It's the same damn story. And, I mean, really, like, there's nothing more I could say. I can't talk about them anymore. There's nothing more to say. There's nothing more to say about the Philadelphia Flyers. So we move on. And I debated who I was going to go next and who I was going to save to the end. But before we move on, as always, this is The Madness, brought to you by TSJSports.com. These guys are doing great things. They are growing like crazy. Get over there. The writers are doing a hell of a job. We have the new TSJ Sports Philadelphia page, uh, which talks about all the Philadelphia sports. A lot of great stuff. A lot of draft commentary for the Eagles. Uh, a lot of playoff push talk for the Sixers and the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So get over there and support those guys. You can keep supporting the show, like I told you, at TSJ Madness. Always a good thing to, to be able to do at TSJ Madness. You can tw- we can talk on Twitter. We talk, I talk with a bunch of people all the time. I've been in arguments the last week about Robert Covington and things like that. And as I said, we're big time now. And now we got some merchandise for you, man. You can wear my face on your shirt. That's pretty damn awesome. Now, nah, but there is merchandise available now for the show. You can go to the uh, link that I told you earlier, or this one's a little bit easier to understand. Store.thethasportsjunkies101.com. That's store.thasportsjunkies101.com. That's thasportsjunkies101.com. It'll forward you right over to the Public page. Shirts. Uh, of many different kinds, tank tops, long sleeve, hoodies, long, uh, baseball type shirts. There are phone cases, notebooks, tote bags. There's uh, mugs if you're big coffee drinkers. Uh, and, and as we go forward here, we'll start doing some giveaways and things like that where, you know, we can um, give you guys a shirt or something, you know, support the show. But uh, we really appreciate all the support we're getting. So now that we've talked about the first two teams and the two teams that I'll be honest, I wasn't going to talk that much about. It's time to talk about the teams that matter right now. We got the one team that just won the Super Bowl, but we're not going to talk about them first. No, no. We have a basketball team, 10 games over 500. Damn right, clap your hands. Exciting! This team is exciting to watch night in and night out, whether they blow a game or not, whether they annoy you with turnovers or not. If you're not excited watching the 76ers, you're an idiot. And you know, it's funny because as excited as I am and as as happy as I am to be a part of of the 76ers fan base. There is no fan that annoys me more than this fan base. I don't understand. Explain this to me. Someone explain this to me. 
I don't understand how you could go through years of the process of horrible basketball, night in and night out, seasons of 10 wins, watching us draft guys and trade guys, knowing that the end would come at some point, hoping it would be a good ending. Finally getting to the point where you're now a playoff team in the NBA and friggin' complaining. What the hell are you doing? This is stupid. I cannot understand. The fan base spends more time fighting with each other, whether they agree or disagree on a player, agree or disagree on a coach, Then celebrating the fact that they have a basketball team that is 40 and 30 with 12 games to play, sitting in the four seed of the playoffs. Now, anyone who said they expected that is an ass because they're lying. That is a bunch of you know what. No one expected that they could possibly be a four seed. And yeah, they could still slip and be a six or a seven, there's no doubt about it. But the fact that this late in the season, they are 10 games over 500, and I don't care what the hell the schedule's been lately. You play who's on the damn schedule. But there are still complaints that, oh, this team has given away too many games. Have they? Yeah. Why are we forgetting that this team is playing together for the first time. The hell has gotten in everybody? And this wasn't about the Eagles because this crap was happening before the Eagles did what they did. It's annoying. It's annoying that we can't have differing opinions on certain players. And it's annoying that our opinions about the coach which everyone is entitled to, go way too friggin' far. And I'm going to die on this mountain. I talk about it my friends all the time. They're always telling me, oh, listen to you on the Brett Brown mountain. But you morons out there who think that Brett Brown is not a good coach and you think that Brett Brown is a guy who should be fired need to shut the hell up and turn in your damn fan cards because you know nothing. You know nothing of the game of basketball. You know nothing of building a team. You're an idiot who just wants to spout off at the mouth because they've blown a few leads. They keep blowing leads to bad teams. There are so many dynamics that go into it that your little measly brains would explode if you actually took the time to see that. I am sick and tired of having to be on a Brett Brown mountain. Is he a perfect coach? No. Does he make a lot of mistakes? He makes some. Are these mistakes that can be fixed? Yes. Are they mistakes that need time to be fixed? Yeah. This is the first year he has Joel Embiid without a restriction, although there still somewhat is, but he's been playing a lot. 
and Ben Simmons on the floor, period. His number one pick has not been on the floor since the first weeks of the season. They've brought two other guys in for bench play. You've had a streaky Robert Covington where he's given you great moments, really bad moments, and now he's back on an upswing. And people want to bitch about, well, why is Rashawn Holmes not playing? I mean, you got to be a bad coach to realize he's not better or he's better than Amir Johnson. Shut up about Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes isn't playing for the same reason that everyone wanted Jaleel Okafor out of here. He's not a very good defender. Can he get above the rim and throw jams down like no other? Hell yes, he can. And it's exciting. Do I think Amir Johnson plays too much? Yes, I do. I think that's something I wish Brett Brown did differently. But he's not a bad coach because of it. He's trying to figure it out. It doesn't happen overnight. I am stunned. I'm astonished that with a little taste of success, this fan base has become impatient and expected this team to be contending for the NBA title this year. Get over yourselves. I will go to war for Brett Brown all season long. And I don't even need to now because now this team is 40 and 30. Now this team is three wins away from securing an above 500 record after winning 30 games last year and 10 the year before that. All we wanted, all we wanted, all we wanted was signs of improvement. And it has been there in leaps and bounds. But now it's not good enough for some of you. And that baffles me. And it frustrates me to no damn end. It is inexcusable for this fan base. Inexcusable that there are factions of it, not everybody, but factions of it that have called for Brett Brown to be fired? Brett Brown's name is going to be in the Coach of the Year talk, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you like to admit it or not, it is. If they get the four seed and say win, what do they got, 12 games left? Say they win eight of their last 12 and go 48 and 34. Brett Brown's going to be in the conversation, and that's good if that's good enough to get the four seed. If they win a playoff series, he's definitely going to be in the conversation. But now I hear people saying, oh, well, they have to win a playoff series. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. I, I, I just don't. I am flabbergasted with the change from this fan base. Do I want them to win? Yes. Do I think they can win? Yes. Depending on the matchup, I'll tell you whether I think they should win or not. But will I be absolutely demoralized and angry if they don't? No. No. You guys know the playoffs are different than the regular season in every sport, especially the NBA. And when you have a team that has little experience to none, you know, you got J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson, and I guess Bellinelli has been on teams that have been in the playoffs, but, you know, whatever. When you're more inexperienced, you have a better chance to lose. 
But the fact is, through the ups and downs of this year, Brett has kept his team together. The guys love playing for him, which matters. So why the hell would you want to fire him? It makes no damn sense. Other than you're being impatient and you're being an ass. And I don't care that I'm talking to my brethren. You need to be called to the carpet when you act like this. And it's bull. So get over it. Give Brett some time. If at the end of next year, they're in a similar situation, they've shown no signs of progress, they're making the same mistakes, okay, then you have a gripe. But you don't have one this year. And I don't want to hear if it goes down that way, oh, I told everybody last year. Shut up. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Pisses me off. It it makes it almost unenjoyable. I don't want to die, live and die on mountains about certain players or coaches. I don't want to do it. But there's idiots that make me go there. And if you make me go there, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to stay there and I'm going to fight. Which brings me to my next guy. Big Shot Bob. I don't like him as a basketball player, okay? Nothing's going to change that. It doesn't matter to me at this point. I don't like Robert Covington as a basketball player. Have I gone overboard and said he stinks? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Does he stink? No. He's a nice player. He's a nice role player off the bench. Give you some good defense. You know, hit some shots every now and again, although it's very streaky, and it is, and if you want to fight that with me, that's fine, but he's streaky. But why can't I ever ridicule him? Why can't I ever, you know, criticize Robert Covington? I just said five minutes ago, there are things to criticize about Brett Brown. As much as he's trying to figure it out, his rotation does get a little goofy at times. There are times when Ben Simmons is out too long. There are lineups that he puts out there that just don't work and he needs to stop putting them out there. That's acceptable. It's okay to criticize. It's okay to say he has flaws, Brett Brown. It's not okay to say he should be fired. So why is it not okay for me to criticize Robert Covington? Okay. Um, I mean, this is the, like I want to talk about the good things, and I can't because these things are on my mind, and I got to get them the hell off my mind. Okay, but Robert Covington is a streaky at best three-point shooter. Okay, so when he catches the ball, and I know it's part of the offense, but it shouldn't be for him, and maybe that's on Brett Brown too, and he's heavily guarded, and he just fires up a three and hits nothing, I'm going to be pissed off. My issue with Robert Covington, I don't even think, is with him. It's with the people who cannot ever, ever criticize him or say he did something wrong. He's not a perfect player, ladies and gentlemen. He's far from it. Defensively, offensively, he makes mistakes a lot. 
He's an average player in the NBA. I don't even give you above average. I'll give you above average. But don't make it out that he is this centerpiece of this team. Because in my opinion, if once Markel Fultz is healthy, I don't. I know he's a guard, and I know that technically Covington's listed as a forward. Covington's going to be a bench guy, and he's going to give you minutes each and every game, but he's not a starter. He doesn't start once you actually build this thing around. Simmons, Embiid, Fultz, even Sharge are four starters. In my opinion, it would benefit this team to upgrade that fifth starter spot and not just hand it to Robert Covington. Why is that wrong? The Covington faithful piss me the hell off. You're allowed to criticize guys you like. I love Carson Wentz. I love Joel Embiid. I love Ben Simmons. But we can criticize. Carson throws a bad pass. We could say Carson threw a bad pass. I'll tell you right now. I love Joel Embiid, but damn it, his turnovers drive me nuts. He's too loosey-goosey with the damn basketball. Doesn't mean that I don't think he's good. Stop being such babies when someone criticizes Robert Covington. Is this guy like your brother? I don't get it. The fact of the matter is this, because I want to go to the positives. Joel Embiid, even with, has been playing basketball for about five years of his life. He's only played 90-plus NBA games. And he is already dominating the league night in and night out. On a bad night, he can get 19 rebounds. On a bad night, he can score 25 points. This is a good problem to have, folks. JoJo and Ben are incredible. Ben can't shoot a jump shot yet. Yet he gets to the bucket whenever he so chooses. He's had three triple doubles in the last five games, and if he didn't sit out the whole fourth quarter last night because they were up by so much, he would have had a fourth. This is good stuff right here. This is fun. I'm locked in, man. The Sixers are on. Look, I can't tell you how many times over the last few weeks Wife sits down, hey, you want to watch a movie? Sure, babe, let's watch a movie. Sounds great. Movie's on and on my phone right next to my lap. I got the Sixers streaming. I ain't missing the game. I can't miss it. It's too much fun. I'm so pumped that we have a playoff push. This is outrageous. I had hoped this team could get the 40 wins by the end of the season, 40-41. They have a legitimate shot at 47. What was he over under? 42 and a half, 40 and a half, something like that. I mean, that's damn impressive, man. That's damn impressive. And I love, here's one thing I love about Bobby Covington. 
He loves this team. These guys love playing together. They love playing for their coach. They have fun with it. You see them, you know, when the camera's on the sideline reporter and it happens to have them in the background, they all do funny things. Even Fultz is in on it. It's fun, man. It's a good time right now. This is a good time to be a fan in this city. We should start to embrace it. Okay? We should start to embrace this basketball team. And the fans have. I mean, the fans have been showing up like crazy. It's been loud in the center. So, I mean, don't misunderstand me. They're, They're showing up. They're being there. It's just there's certain factions that have been driving me nuts. So let's talk about the playoffs. I mean, it, look, at this point, it looks like they're going to make it. I, I, I'd i be stunned if they didn't make it at this point. Uh, they're 40 and 30. They're sitting in the four seed. I'm trying to figure out how many games up they are on, you know, uh, Detroit. So Detroit is 20 and a half back. Philly's eight and a half up on them with 12 to play. I mean, it would take a drastic collapse for them to not make the playoffs. I mean, they're three and a half up on the eight seed, Milwaukee. I mean, look, they could end up as the eight seed. I'm not sitting here telling you they're going to dominate. They could end up with 44 wins, 43 wins. You know, they're seven and three in their last 10. They've won four in a row. Um, I'm looking to see how many home games. So they've played 34 home games. So what do you play? 41 and 41. So they should have about seven more home games. Uh, they've been a really good home team this year. You know, I think that that's going to be key for them. If they can get a home series, they can get this four seed, and someone has to come here four out of seven games, I think that's a, that could be a really big thing for them. I think what's going to happen in the playoffs is a few things, though, for this team. I think fatigue's going to catch up because I think it has already in certain games. You've, you've seen these guys getting a little tired, hitting in that wall as they're not used to playing this many minutes, this many games. But I also think the experience factor. I think if they have a big lead, they're going to blow big leads in the playoffs. I think that they will lose games in the playoffs where they've blown big leads. If they get behind by a lot, maybe they don't come back this year in those games. You know, they got to learn. This is going to be a learning experience. And we have to go in with that understanding. It's going to be a learning experience. Can they win a series? Absolutely. If they're the four seed and say they play Indiana and they win that series, and then they got to go to Toronto. Okay, now they probably won't beat Toronto, but they can compete. They can compete with Toronto, take that series six games. I won't be upset if they don't. Look, playoff basketball, we, we said going into the year, many, many people said, I know I said. Do I want the playoffs? Yes. Is it a waste of a year if they don't make it? No. However, that was with the caveat that how many games will Joel Embiid play? Well, Joel Embiid's played a lot of games. So at this point, yeah, they got to make the playoffs. And it looks like they will, okay? Um, You hope that their minds are where they need to be, that like, for for example, they go into Orlando tonight, they go take care of business. They go beat a team that they're much better than. They go beat a team that has nothing to play for. They're out of the playoffs. They're 21 and 50 on the year. I mean, you really should go in there and handle your business. Now, they did – when did they play them? I feel like they just played Orlando and, and, and did a pretty good job against them. So I, I don't have high expectations. For the playoffs. I just want to see the team make it. I want to see them be competitive. I want to see these guys continue to grow. The only thing that I am frustrated with with the 76ers has to do with their front office and their handling of the Markel Fultz situation. I don't know what the hell is wrong with the kid. 
I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I see all these damn videos. He's out there shooting, dribbling, dunking. He's, he seems like he's fine. It just doesn't make sense to me to not play him. Now, there's the argument from some that, well, now if you do, you got to integrate him back in. It changes things up. Maybe he doesn't fit. But the one thing the Sixers are lacking is a guy that can get just go get a bucket. Yes, Ben can go to the basket. Yes, Joel can score at will, but Ben has the limitations of the shot. Joel gets goofy with the basketball sometimes. Markel Fultz was drafted upon being that guy. And I don't know what the harm is, is getting him back out there and letting him play. I want to see him before the end of the year. That's the one thing that will piss me off. And what has pissed me off is we're not getting the, any information from these guys. I think Brian Colangelo does not know how to handle these situations. He doesn't know how to talk to the media. And really, that was one of my things with Hanky. Hanky never talked to us. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You can't sit this guy all year and give us a, oh, he's coming along, not there yet. We'll reevaluate in six weeks. That's bogus, dude. You got to be better than that. You've got to be better than that. Do I want Fultz to play this year? Yeah. Do I think he will? I have no damn clue. Wish I did. But I got no clue. I can't figure this team out, man. I can't figure this front office out. But what, here's, here's the other faction. All the people that want to get on this Fultz as a bus bandwagon. <laughs> I, it is it, my God. You know what I think it is? I think the basketball was away from this town for so long. And then when it started getting exciting, everyone started hopping back in. And a lot of people to hop back in have never really paid attention to basketball and knows how it goes. You can't call a freaking kid a bus when he hasn't played. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. If he hasn't played and it's five years down the line, okay, you can do it. But people now have such a freaking impatience, man. Damn. Damn. It annoys me. You got to be better than that. Give this kid a chance. Oh, we should have stayed at three and drafted Jackson. Oh, we should have stayed at three and drafted Tatum. Now we don't have our first-round pick. Shut up. Shut up. So damn annoying. Just let it play out. I want to end the Sixers portion talking about a guy we've talked about before on this show. Colin Cowherd. Yeah, I'll give you airtime. I'll boost your ratings. I'll have people go search for you and look at what the hell you said. You're welcome, buddy, because I know that's all you're trying to do. However, he made this comment at the beginning of the year. The Sixers won't win 40 games. I'll wear a jersey. All good and well, and it's been brought up, and he's, you know. But then today, his ass of a tweet, and that's all I'm calling it, is an ass of a tweet, where he wants to talk about the Lakers dynasty and LeBron's dynasty and say, oh, by the way, congratulations, Sixers, you've won 40 games. We don't care what the Lakers did since 2000. Let me tell you about 2000. I was in high school. 
I've now been graduated from college for 11 years, and now I have two kids and a wife. Allen Iverson still hadn't taken the 76ers to the NBA Finals. Donovan McNabb was a rookie or a first-year player. The Eagles hadn't go on, went on their run in the 2000s. You know what that means, Colin? That means it is done and over with, and no one talks about 2000 anymore. You little friggin' weasel trying to get ratings. We are aware. We're very aware in this city that 40 wins is not an NBA championship. We're aware. Don't worry, dude. Don't worry. We're not dumb fans like you thought we were. You freaking dope. But this is a step in the right direction for our franchise that we root for always. So take your nationally syndicated show. Take your opinions. Take your raspy, weaselly little voice. And shove them right up you nowhere. You're a friggin' joke. That you need to get ratings that bad. You have a, a big show. You have a huge following. You need to get ratings that bad that you want to go after Philadelphia still. Let it go, dude. Move on with your life. You're the worst kind of weasel. You he, he, He's now on, a, on the same level as Skip Bayless. I mean, just move the hell on. That's all the time I'm giving you. You friggin' idiot. Now it's time to talk about your reigning Super Bowl champions. That's right. It happened. The banner will be raised on September 6th. And then it will be there forever to let us know the Philadelphia Eagles were Super Bowl champions in the most uncanny of ways. Hang on. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! I'm still on a high. I don't even know if you can be. I don't even know if you could still be euphoric. Like, normally by this time of the offseason, I've looked at 87 mock drafts. I'm all in the free agency. I'm all trying to figure out everything. I've barely looked. Instead, what I've done is I've continued to buy Super Bowl merchandise. Like an idiot. (laughs) Dude, there was a point where I literally thought my wife was going to kill me. so So what I started doing was sending a couple of the packages to my parents' house so I could pick it up, open it, and uh, put it downstairs before it was known that it was new. <laughs> I, trust me, I know. I know it's not the man, most manly thing I've ever done. I understand that. But, man, you know, it has been so much fun re-watching moments from the Super Bowl uh, re-listening to, you know, play-by-play calls by Merrill and Mike Quick and those guys. It has been just a blast thinking about the parade and thinking about everything that happened there. And we've just loved every minute of it. We've just loved every minute of it. But the offseason does go on. We do have to focus in. Because as with 
always by our standards. And now that even though it's different territory, it's a, a different scenario for us fans, we want to see the Eagles win another one. And what I have loved is the Eagles want to see the Eagles win another one, and they're proving it day in and day out. We've had to say goodbye to some people that we've loved in this city and some guys that were, you know, big-time players or just players on this team that, that was just so much fun to follow this last season. You know, you've, you've watched Trey Burton go. You've watched Torrey Smith go, Vinny Curry, Bo Allen. And obviously a guy like Brent Selleck who spent so much time here and it was sad to see go, but you, you, look, look, you couldn't keep him at a $5 million cap. You just couldn't do it. But with all that sadness, you've had this team do things that was so incredible and selfless. Lane Johnson. You know, taking a, re- a restructure of his contract. Zach Ertz doing the same thing to get this team some cap room so that they could go out and trade for a Michael Bennett to add to this defensive line. A Haloti Nada to add to this defensive line. Trade for Daryl Worley. A guy, a young guy with some upside which fits the backfield, which we have a ton of young guys with upside. Um, you know, Corey Nelson, who, you know, when, when the signing happened, I wasn't really sure what to think. And reading up on things, he was starting for Denver the last couple of years, and he just had an injury. And, and he could become your new weak side linebacker because the, the expectation is in the coming weeks, hey, Michael Kendrick showed up, played a hell of a year, but if you got to get more cap space, there's your cap space. This team has continued to make moves in this offseason. Look, I can remember sitting here this time last year when I was getting back on the air, which was almost a year ago uh, to where we are now. And I can almost remember saying, you know, what I love about the New England Patriots is they win and then they just try and get better. The Eagles have not gotten worse. Yes, LeGarrette Blunt unfortunately signs away, but you have Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi, who were the two guys you expected to get more carries, and I'm sure they'll add another running back, whether it be a veteran or they add one in the draft. Yeah, Torrey Smith went. You have Matt Collins, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. I still see them trying to add another outside receiver in the draft. Your offensive line is intact. You have both quarterbacks still here. And then defensively, you've just gotten better. (laughs) I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. Michael Bennett is an upgrade over Vinnie Curry. Haloti Nada is at the very least equal, if not better, than Bo Allen. You've added Worley to a defensive backfield that has Darby. Jones, Mills, Douglas. I'm forgetting somebody because now, so I think they got five. Now, Patrick Robinson signs a deal, but the money he got, you didn't need to give him that. Not when you have five guys back there and you're only fighting for what, four spots, really? I mean, four playing on a good amount of time spots 
where you have the two outside corners, your, your nickel corner, and if you're in the dime, you sometimes bring another one in, although they like to bring safeties in for that. I mean, the Eagles have made mo- – listen, they have made this defensive line unbelievable. And I know it's on paper, but think of this. Just think of this. Brandon Graham, Michael Bennett outside. Jernigan and Cox on the inside. Chris Long, Derek Barnett on the outside. Nada and Destiny Varejo, who played a good amount for them last year on the inside. You have two starting defensive lines. And then you have the ability to say, all right, we want to get a major pass rush here. We want to be speedy. Let's move Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett on the inside. Let's bring Barnett in. Let's bring Chris Long in. Let's only move one and keep Cox out there and bring Barnett or Long in. And I know we, we'll talk about Long in a minute and what's going to happen there. And, and you know, I know that they offer him more money, but he's mulling over retirement. Although, according to some uh, uh, sources on Twitter, one not being the one I would ever expect, but uh, apparently Chris Long has gone on Barstool's part of my take quite a bit. He has confirmed to them that he is definitely leaning toward, if not com- definitely coming back next year and I think that's huge for this team because I think Chris Long not just because of his play on the field but I just think his leadership in the locker room was paramount to what we saw happen last year um you know do I think they're done no I think that they're they're gonna make some moves do I think that Nick Foles is gonna be here at, the, at this point, it looks like it because everybody seems to have their QB situation figured out. I mean, anything could happen with injuries and things like that. But all in all, uh, I think he's probably going to be here. I thought for a while that they might move him closer to the draft and then get a second or third round pick. I will be stunned if the Eagles don't try and get a second or third round pick. I will be stunned if the Eagles don't try and get a second or third round pick. Uh, whether they try and make Michael Kendricks that guy to get some a third round pick, whether they package some of their other picks uh, to get up into the second or third round, there's no way Howie goes into this draft and doesn't come out with at least one day two pick. It's just no way. It's, it's not in his mo. It's not in the cards. There's no way. You want to talk about a shock? It'll be if that's what if, if it goes down that way. I'll be absolutely stunned. But I think Foles is here. But I also think Carson's going to be ready. And I don't have any doctor proof on this. I don't have any scientific knowledge of the situation. And I thought this before the video came out of him throwing the other day. I think Carson's going to be ready for week one. And not ready to the point where they're rushing him back to make him ready. I think he's going to be ready. I think he's going to be ready to go. And we can get on board with this. But how can you not love what this team has done this offseason? been no splash move but there never was going to be they didn't have the money to do it and you don't do you don't have to make splash moves when you just won the Super Bowl let's focus on that the Philadelphia Eagles just won the Super Bowl I mean come on they don't have to do that much man they don't have to do that much would I like to see them add another receiver? Yeah. The nice thing about the draft is when they pick at 32, if they pick at 32, 
And if they are not able to get a day two pick prior to the draft, don't be surprised to see them trade out of the first round and maybe get a second and a third or a second and a fourth um, so that they have a day two pick because they love their later rounds. They love their value, you know, but unless there's a guy they truly love sitting on the board, um, my hope is if they draft in the first round, I love to see him go running back or wide receiver. I don't know if they will do that. There is a lot of talk that they will go wide receiver. You know, I don't, unless it's a guy that you think is a surefire starter, I don't know if I like that message. Seeing as though you just drafted a receiver last year and maybe you still want him to build a little bit and that's fine. And I guess it is a four wide receiver league. Uh, but I would like to see them go running back or receiver um, if they stay in the first round. I'm not, like I said, not sure about the message, but at the same time, it's about getting better. And, and these guys, they have to understand that it is a business. As far as free agency, I mean, I don't even know what's out there at this point. I, I, you know, I don't think there's much more to add on the free agent market. Um, you know, I don't need them to add an Allen Hearns. I mean, I, to me, you, that's not the type of guy you need. You're going to need a receiver to stretch the field. You need a guy who can get up and down the field and be, be the uh, take-the-top-off-the-defense guy. So I don't know if that guy's out there. I don't know if there's any of those guys available at this at this point. But you got to hope Nelson Aguilar continues to grow. Had a hell of a season last year. Uh, Alshon is back. They're doing what they need to do, this team. They're not trying to be someone they're not. They're not trying to make huge splashes or just stay stagnant and say, hey, we, we did fine last year. We'll be good this year. They know that you have to continue to improve. And there will be question marks, and it will be hard, and the schedule is going to be tougher. There's no doubt about that. But the Eagles are in a great place right now, man, and we as Eagles fans should be in a great place. We as Eagles fans are reigning Super Bowl champions. And, yeah, we are loud and cocky and ignorant and being asses. There's no doubt about it. But we deserve it, and we're going to do it all the way through. (laughs) We are going to do it. Until we are no longer the reigning Super Bowl champions. I'm going to be a jackass all next year, too. Because until we're beaten in the playoffs, or we don't make the playoffs, or in the Super Bowl, the Eagles are still the defending Super Bowl champions. That's why this is the argument I kind of threw out there on Twitter when Vikings fans said, oh, revenge is going to be so sweet because there's reports that they're playing the September 6th game. That ain't revenge, dude. The Eagles beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. Didn't just beat them, demoralized them. Absolutely embarrassed them. You were embarrassed. You showed up with your damn skull clap. You went to the Rocky Steps. You tried to dress up the statue. You tried to make it like you had a huge crowd of hundreds of people when there was about 20 there. And then you got your ass spanked. Sent home just to watch us invade your city and win a Super Bowl. So you tell me how winning a week one game when there's still 15 games left to see if you even make the playoffs is revenge. It's not. It's not. Because they're two different playing fields. Your winning week one of, of the regular season does not equate to an NFC championship game. And by the way, Who the hell says you're going to win? What, because you got Kirk Cousins? Because you threw 87 or $86 million at Kirk Cousins? 
Look, I think Kirk's a good quarterback, but you didn't just sign freaking Joe Montana, dude. Wasn't Joe Montana that you just signed. But hey, keep on uh, keep on keeping on out there in Minnesota, man. I hope it's not too cold for you. All right, so we've kind of we we we've we've gone around the wheel here about our four teams in the city. A lot of good things happening. Still some things that frustrate you. I mean, the Flyers still frustrate me. Some of the Sixers fan base still frustrates me. But all in all, this is fun. As I've heard numerous people in the media say, this could be the new golden age of Philadelphia sports and we should embrace it. Let's be together on this thing. Now, before I let you go here this week, I do want to touch on something that I truly love. And that is March Madness and the NCAA tournament. And every year you have upsets and you have this and you have that and, and, and it's fun. But this year has been friggin' crazy. I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is you finally have a 16 beat a 1. And not only is it a 16 beating a 1, it was really 64 beating the number one overall seed and Virginia losing to UMBC. But just look at it. Loyola, Chicago in the Sweet 16. Nevada comes back from 22 down to get to the Sweet 16. Um, Texas A&M puts a beating on my boys. I mean, an embarrassment, a beating on North Carolina to get in there. Arizona loses in the first round to Buffalo. Marshall beats Wichita State. For their first ever tournament win. Buzzer beaters galore. Comebacks galore. Great games down to the wire. I mean there have been more games. That you have had to watch the final two minutes. Because they were close. Than I ever remember. It has been an unbelievable. NCAA tournament. And it kicks back off tonight. With the Sweet 16. And. It's funny how the one side of the bracket, if you look at your bracket, um, I can't remember the region right now. I'm trying to pull up a bracket as we speak so we can look at it. So if you look at what was considered the, what was this? Was this the South region? Yeah, the South region. Your Sweet 16, which means your four teams in the Sweet 16 from then, are a 5, a 9, an 11, and a seven seed. That means one, two, three, and four are out. Virginia, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Arizona, gone. Now you have Kentucky playing Kansas State. Is that tonight? That's tonight. As well as Loyola, Chicago playing Nevada. You talk about a game that has two teams that no one ever even friggin' talks about that's going to be so much fun. That is must-see TV at 7.07 tonight. Loyola, Chicago, Nevada is must-see TV. You talk about... Those teams. You talk about UMBC even though they lost. These guys play so hard. You know, someone tweeted out college basketball is terrible. No, it's not because these kids care. And the kids on these lower seeds care even more than the kids on the higher seeds. It is so much fun to watch. Now, with that said, you know, I'm going to give you a little Final Four prediction since uh, by the time we meet up next week, the Final Four will be set. With all the upsets, it's been great, but I look at this Kentucky team. They're playing well right now. 
Yes, they're young. Yes, they could slip up. But I don't think they slip up against any of these three teams remaining in their bracket. Um, you know, I do think Loyola Chicago wins tonight. I don't know why. I have this weird feeling that they do. But I do think Kentucky ends up getting to the Final Four out of the South. If you go down the bracket to the West, your four teams remaining, Florida State, Gonzaga, Michigan, Texas A&M. Michigan and Gonzaga, not too much of a surprise. Florida State was getting beat up by Xavier. Beat up. And they come all the way back and knock off the one seed. We talked about what Texas A&M did to my boys. I'm not going to talk anymore about it because I wasn't happy. But you can't go to Final Four every year. We're going to give somebody else a chance this year. Right, Tar Heel Nation? Um, so you look, I, the Michigan-Texas A&M game could be a really, really good game. I didn't realize until after, last, um, after Sunday that Texas A&M was ranked number five early in the year in the country and then had some suspensions and injuries. There are men on that team, man. They got some big boys on that team. And then they got guards outside that can stroke the ball if you try and take away the big men. So I really like them. This Michigan team is playing well. They're on a roll. They win the huge game at the buzzer against Houston. Houston had them dead in the water. Uh, but I like Texas A&M to come out of this game tonight. I, I have a feeling that this team's playing off of the we should have been higher than a 7C, we got screwed uh, mentality. And then the Gonzaga-Florida State game, Florida State's a weird team. Some games they come out and you're like, man, this team can really play some basketball. And even like when they play Xavier, you have this team that, Shows shades of being really good uh, and then shades of being really bad. But I think Gonzaga is going to win this game. I think they're playing good basketball as well. Um, had a nice tight game with Ohio State. But, you know, they're, they're finding ways to win. They had a tight game against UNC Greenville too. But they're finding ways to win. Gonzaga is experienced even though they lost a couple guys from last year. But uh, I, I think Gonzaga wins. So it's Gonzaga, Texas A&M. And, and you know, Part of this is, I'm sure, because I just watched his team beat up my boys. Uh, but I think Texas A&M's going to the Final Four. I think that, you know, when, this, when the tournament started, I said no one higher than a four seed is going to make it to the Final Four. Or now in the South, it has to be. <laughs> and I think Texas A&M's actually going to come out of this West. I really like them. On the right side of the bracket, it got a little bit more what you're used to. You got your Villanova. You got your West Virginia. You go one, two, three, five. The only team that lost was Wichita State, and they lost in the first round to Marshall. But uh, this Villanova-West Virginia game is a barn burner. in my And in my opinion, the winner of this game goes uh, to the Final Four because I think either of those teams will handle either Texas Tech or Purdue uh, I don't know why I hate on Purdue so much, but I do. Um, I just look at them. I don't see them as a Final Four team. I don't see how they beat the athleticism of a West Virginia or a Villanova. Uh, Texas Tech, very impressive win to come back and beat Florida. I know that game is back and forth for a little bit, if I remember. Um, but I think it's Villanova or West Virginia's to lose, and I'm going to go with Villanova here because I feel like a one seed has got to get there, and I think this is your one seed that gets to the Final Four. Now, saying that, I'm already telling you that I don't think Kansas is going to get there. Do I think Kansas makes it to the Elite Eight? Yeah. I have been super impressed with Clemson. Uh, they are the, the way they just blew the doors off of Auburn was super impressive. I didn't think that, that this team had it in them. But Kansas will be too good for them and get to the Elite Eight. Duke, Duke gets lucky here because I was really looking forward to the Duke-Michigan State game and the Michigan State just choked that thing away. 
And Duke has already played Syracuse. Duke has already crushed Syracuse. Duke knows how to beat the Syracuse zone. To beat Syracuse, you have to be able to attack the zone and get easy buckets. And what Duke can do is not only get easy buckets on the inside with Bagley, but they can also kick it out to all their shooters. And I think Duke easily gets the Elite Eight. Look, I said this going into the tournament that this is the type of team where Duke was supposed to be better than a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people thought they'd be better than they played throughout the regular season. They Coach K did what he does best, and he makes huge adjustments. He goes to a zone. They're playing great basketball. Um, I think that they not only get to the Elite Eight, but they beat Kansas and make it to the Final Four. I think this Duke team is the team to beat in this tournament right now. I think Duke has everything it takes to go beat a na- win a national championship. And to do that, they'd have to beat Villanova. So, you know, you're talking about you got to beat Kansas, you got to beat Villanova. It's a tough road. But this Duke team is so good and so athletic. I think that they do that. I think they beat Kansas. I think they beat Villanova. And I think they probably end up playing Kentucky on the other side of the bracket, a little Duke-Kentucky game. But I think Duke would end up winning that game. Yes, it's a lot of freshmen, a lot of, as Dickie V would call them, the diaper dandies. But I think Duke has the better players, and you have the leadership of um, – it's just really happening to me right now. I can't think of my, my my boy's name over there, the senior from Duke. Wow, that's a shame. I should be ashamed of myself right now. Grayson Allen. Damn it, I have it. <laughs> all right, Grayson Allen. So I do think Duke wins it all this year, but we could talk about that a little bit more next week. But with that said – that's going to bring this episode to an end. It's been fun. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking sports with you guys. My hope is that we continue to build this thing, that we eventually can go live, and I can have you guys calling in the show. You can always tweet me questions at TSJ Madness. We're going to bring back the hashtag TSJ, TSJ Madness mailbag. All right, you'll be seeing tweets about that. Send me your questions. We'll have a segment on the show where I can answer them. We'll be talking all Philadelphia sports. We'll be having great guests from now until forever. I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad TSJ Sports gives me this avenue to talk to you. Next week, we'll get into the Sixers a little bit more and the Flyers as the playoff pushes will continue on. Looking to have some guests on from them. Looking to get a little report from down at spring training for the Philadelphia Phillies. Who knows, maybe Howie pulls off a big move. Regardless, I'm here now. I'm back and better than ever. Looking forward to it. Embrace the madness, everybody. Have a great week.